Listener Production. Shares, Market. the S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, our, well, not normally a very special mailbag day, and yet a very special Friday mailbag edition. We got so many great emails and posts and social media uh, DMs, people sliding into our DMs, as, as the cool kids say, that we thought we would bring you a special Friday mailbag and try and get through some of the spectacularly great questions we got from our listeners. Now, when I say we, it would be rude of me. It would be inappropriate of me. It would be... I would feel like the world had shifted off its axis. If I didn't introduce the man, the myth, the legend. It's one of our uh, preferred uh, intros that our listeners like, Ram, so I thought I'd use that one. Andrew, Ram Page. How are you, mate? Very good. Uh, it's all of those things, and it is contractual to, uh, to well, that, yes, introduce true, true, me in true, that way. Yes. So, you know, just to can remind I, can you. Can I say, speaking of contractual, I've been, I've been very disciplined this year so far. Oh, yeah? I um, what, what 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 are you laughing about? Nothing. I just thought of something funny. Okay. Please go on. Oh, good, good, good. You want to share it with the audience, or just keep it to yourself? Uh, no, no, no. It's uh, just uh, no inside baseball. I shouldn't have done it. I, I fully retract that snigger and uh, invite you to continue. <laughs> oh well, I just it just occurs to me that uh, since you and I work together, you've been busy on another project, and I, I just I'm not sure whether we've mentioned it before. Okay. <laughs> Go on. What, 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 have you, what have you been doing with your time? What's been occupying your, your time and attention and uh, uh, your efforts when it comes to uh, your, your workday these days? Uh, my workday? Uh, you know, my workday is, is often the same. I, I like to okay. keep track of the markets and look at interesting okay. companies to invest in and communicate Good. and discuss that with other members of a private online investment forum. Is that right? Yes. A forum or a club, though? Uh, probably a club. Let's go with a club. probably club. Okay. Yeah. All right. And um, have you come up with a name, or is it is it still one of those you keep it under wraps? And no, no, it's uh, strawman.com. Strawman.com. Wow. All right. Cool. Well, <laughs> mate, I'm glad you're doing something with yourself this year. It's um, <laughs> I, 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 I. All right. Let's move on. Half, uh, half the mate, people have already gonna... switched off or skipped ahead. <laughs> we should have a we should have some sort of audio marker so they can go straight there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's uh, we'll put chapters. <laughs> chapter one. Scott tells terrible joke. Chapter two. The boys actually finally get down to it. Uh, and by the way, chapter chapter one and a half is random tangent inserted between those two things, oh, which yes. is also of various length and uh, and, and likelihood. Mm-hmm. Um, mate, we are we are pre-recording this. I will I will like, give that away. Um, so this uh, again, as I said last week and probably a couple of times over the last couple of weeks. Uh, if anything big's happened in the meantime, we're not here. Um, I wouldn't put it past us one day maybe to throw in an extra episode if something did break and we felt like we kind of owed it to our listeners to at least opine on it. Uh, but we're long-term investors. It's one of the great things about, frankly, I, I, I don't know, I'm speaking of tangents, here we go. Uh, I don't know about you, mate. I, I've been away for weeks at a time and I've, I've gone bush. I go bush in, in, uh, in winter, generally speaking. I say, go bush, you know, jump in the family, go to the, get in the car and take the camper trailer out somewhere out west uh, of where I live in the middle of Australia generally or up north. And I just, I leave, my, I leave my portfolio alone. And I've had so many people say, what do you mean? What if something happens? Like, well, then it'll happen. You know, it's, there's a real, the, the illusion of control or the desire to somehow do a thing or avoid a thing or be a thing is so prevalent amongst people. Um, I'm going to go on holidays, not for very long, we're going to go away for a week and a bit. Uh, I may or may not bother looking at the markets or may or may not bother looking at my portfolio. Um, but there are people who are like, well, I'm going away. I've got to sell everything in case something happens while I'm gone. It's, I just, I just, I'm not going to. You? Nah. I mean, I, I, I think it's very adorable that people think that they can do something about it in the sense that generally speaking, when something happens, it happens. 
You know, it's sort yeah. of, it's not like, oh, they release an announcement saying the CFO's flown to Bermuda with all of the company funds. <laughs> and then you're the only one who happens to read Oops. it and gets onto the right. market and trades out before anyone else has reacted. I mean, the news hits mm. and their reaction is instant, you know, and just, all yeah. of the bids get pulled, all of the offers get lowered. It's just, you, you kind of can't react. I mean, yeah. Yes, I guess you can always um, sell then and, and maybe selling at a 20% loss is better than a 50% loss that may eventually. <laughs> yeah. But it's kind of like the damage is, is largely done very, yeah. very quickly. Yeah. Markets react incredibly quickly. So it's kind mm. of, one, there's nothing really you can react too much to. Two, I, I think it's not an either or thing. It's not, it's not a black and white, you know, one is I just do not look full stop at all. And the other is I spend eight hours in front of my 12 screen, you know, computer, you know, checking every data point under the sun. It's just like, I will, I will uh, pull out the smartphone occasionally tap onto, you know, I use Comsec uh, for better or worse and, and, you know, have a look, you know, is, is there any market sensitive announcement, any major moves? No, nah, life goes on, right? If it is, maybe I can tap on that, read the, read the PDF and, and then have a think about it. So it's, it, you, you can really dial it back. And, um, and, and still keep, you know, quote unquote, the finger on the pulse, uh, so to speak. But I mean, I definitely lean to, to your side of things, whereas less is, less is more. And in fact, generally speaking, taking myself out of the equation is generally a positive <laughs> for a lot of these things. And just, just, just letting things unfold is, yeah, is, is often a good, it, yeah. it sounds negligent. It really does. But I guess I would argue that the, the effort and the work is done prior to the trade. In other words, you know, I try to really try to make sure that I know what I own and why I own it. And, you know, if I'm buying a company and, and uh, you know, they they come out with a, a new contract win or something that's a little bit bad, or I, I can put that in context very quickly. I don't have to go back from first principles and work out what that means, how it impacts, because you've, you've built up an understanding, a thorough understanding, hopefully, of the, of the business. And you know, you know what I mean. It it it, it is. Um, if you find yourself in a situation where, and I've got to be careful here because there'll always be the the unknown unknowns and the complete black yes. swan unexpected. But generally speaking, you not that you can predict the specifics and the timing of events, but you can game theory it sort of through. What happens if, you know, what are the risks of? X, Y, and Z, and, and and you can you can when when or if it does happen, you've you've thought about the consequences th in the context of a long term investor. So a good example here yeah. might be a retailer that has a really crappy quarter. You know, now is there is there something structurally wrong with the business, or is just you know everyone tightening their belts and this is just the normal cyclicality of of a of of the retail sector you know there's two very different things am i gonna am i gonna flip out and, and and run for the hills every time that there's a slight dip in same store sales like if so like why am i investing in a retailer in the first place again it comes back to knowing what i own why i own it what i would reasonably expect so mm -hmm. um no i don't know does that does that make sense to you i i i feel as though yeah, if, totally. if, if you're panicking is well, what does this mean i have no idea this is yeah. completely out of it, it probably not always but it I probably suggests yeah. you, you didn't do enough work prior to to, to becoming an owner in the business i, I like that mate I, i'm gonna say two things one is you're right the, the the most compelling thing is that well i think it's two the first is your point about you know, there's no there's no free time window where you get to respond or, yes. or act before everyone else does, yeah. and there is something in investing in life in general, but specifically about investing where it's like you want to play the game, you want to play your game, not someone else's game. Yep. 
if you are trying to play the game of I'm going to be the fastest draw in the West, mm-hmm. I mean, good luck, right? You've got people who are literally people who are doing this for a quid who are sitting at their terminals. You've got computers who are programmed to do this before you even get close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, like really, if you know, if you if you're saying the game I'm going to play is I'm going to try and react quickly to new news, I, I swear, like you, you you might as well try you know win a win a hundred meter race with you know with no legs. Like it's not going to happen. You just you, no. you are not in the race. It's not no. going to happen. No, it's the not. other thing, by the way, and this is I think more powerful overall is when people say I better sell just in case something happens. What that suggests to me is, and I'm not I, well, I'm a bit of a Pollyanna, you know, that I'm a bit of an optimist. But what that says to me is they're focusing on the downside. Yeah. You know, well, that, yeah, what, if, what if the thing that happens is a massive fifty percent spike on a right. takeover announcement or something exactly. of the sort? Or not yeah. even that, mate. We we we're recording this in in uh, towards the back end of December, um, and, and we said on on one of the recent podcasts that the six weeks, seven weeks uh, from late October to middle of December, mm. the market was up really strongly. Now, yeah. uh, you know, and in one week, the week of I think it was week commencing the whatever it was uh, week last week, so week commencing the tenth or something, eleventh. Uh, um, the market was up three and a half cent in that week alone. Yeah. Now, you know, I, I, losing three and a half cent is not a big deal. Missing it out is not, not a big deal. It's not going to kill you overall. But that thing you're trying to avoid, I mean, you know, avoiding a market gain, um, yes, things tend to fall faster and harder. But if they don't happen and the market goes up like it did that week, like it's done in the last six weeks, imagine going on a six-week holiday. And yeah. missing a, you know, what is it, was 9% jump or something? I mean, you know, yeah. I just think it's worth thinking about when people say, what, would, what might I miss? Everyone's minds. This is, again, I've, I've said so many times, I'm going to trademark this one. You know, successful investing is the ability to overcome, to suppress our natural human instincts, mm-hmm. our, our evolutionary biology, right? If you, can, if you can suppress that evolutionary biology, like Warren Buffett does, like others do, you're doing well. And so when we say, what might happen while I'm gone, 95% of our thoughts, 9 out of 10 people say, oh, you mean like when something goes wrong? Mm. As opposed to, what if something goes right while we're all gone? It's not something you think about, and I think that's that's really worth just keeping in mind. Yeah. Uh, uh, come, been, I did, oh, sorry. Well, you, I mean, you, you did set this tangent up, so we're, oh, we're no, going to go a little bit down the rabbit hole. The, the, the first one <laughs> I wanted to make the mention of is the cost element of that. Maybe brokerage isn't True. a big deal these days, but there's tax consequences around mm-hmm. that. You know, mm-hmm. So you've got to factor that in. The other thing is, is when I'm going to forget the stats off the top of my head, but there's, there's a variety of sort of flavors of this analysis. But if you take the top 10 best days out of a given year, right. like, you know, yeah. there's there's 200 business days or trading days or something like that in, in a year, but you just take out five or 10, the, the, the difference overall is substantial. It doesn't feel as like, well, it's only a few days, like how much can it move? And it's not as necessarily these are huge giant moves, but yeah. it's it's just the way that, that incrementally all sort of like the way the maths works and it all comes together. It's just like being out of the market where you, yes, you might miss the, the five worst days. And so the opposite is also true, but you might miss the five best days or you might miss three of the five best days, in which case at the end of the year, even assuming you have no transaction costs and no taxation burden to worry about, you could still be like a good five, 10% behind, you know, and that that kind of stuff really adds up. So- yeah, I I wouldn't look. If you're a trader, it's a different story. If you're a, if you're an investor, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a nonsense trying to sort of move yourself out of the way. I, I, one one final example: we, there's a company that's um, a lot of our members have been following for a little while called Neuron Pharmaceuticals, and you know they had a very good result recently, and shares shot up substantially. And there's a few people I was speaking to um, who were like, "I'm just waiting for the clinical trials to come out, and then I'll buy." 
And it's like, well, look, and by the way, this isn't my bag. I'm not, I'm not one to sort of go for this style of company, but, but it felt like an odd thing to do because it's kind of like the upside right. is in whether or not this happens. Once it happens, it'll be priced in almost immediately. Guess what? It was priced in almost immediately. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. so now you're now, like, oh, the yeah, results yeah. are great. Bang, massive jump up in the show. Great. Oh, now I'm going to buy. It's like, yeah, but it's happened. Not, not that it, there's no more upside from here, but if, 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 if that was the thing that you was holding mm. you back, that thing has now been priced in. And now you need other sort of, for want of a better term, catalysts or, or drivers to sort of lift it even further beyond that. So it's all, a, we're all a little bit too clever by half. When it's just as 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 I say, it feels a bit laissez-faire. It feels a little bit, you know, um, lazy. But really, just just you you want to roll with those punches, and in 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 rolling with those punches and the ups and downs, it's actually just make sure that you are strapped in when when things go your way. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I I think I mean this. We go to a whole different tangent on how to think about valuing uh, something with that kind of binary, you know, yes no mm, approval mm, coming coming through. Mm. And I think you know, I think you're absolutely right, mate. I do think there is some there, there is some value sometimes in waiting and saying, okay, I'm not going to pay thirty percent more, but at least I know this has happened. Yes, uh, the share price might have fallen thirty sure. percent if it hadn't gone ahead. Um, so there are, there are still those that that range of outcomes, and and we don't know in advance, of course, which outcome we will get. Um, so that's absolutely true. But that's a whole uh, different set of conversations. Maybe we started with a tangent, but let's move back to the mailbag if that's yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, yes. A question a question from Francis says, "Hi, gents. Many thanks for the hours of time you invest in us." so that we may become better investors. I like that. Thanks, Francis. Mm. Despite being a staunch property man, you have made me dabble in shares. And I now understand why I have never previously been successful at it. Oh, dear. Sorry, mate. Uh, so the question is relating to another question you answered in regards to the benefits of a, quote, lazy balance sheet, end quote, where you both approved of companies that have funds set aside for a rainy day that are then able to make investments when others may not have the capital to do so. Mm. Opportunistically, I see where what this I is don't going. get. <laughs> what I don't get is that this seems contrary to your ethos on fully fully invested yourself, Scott, and also seems contrary to your previously disclosed views on short selling. As the way I see it, short selling is costing you the time value of capital, and so are funds sitting on your balance sheet, not being vested in the company. Kind regards, Francis. Mm. Uh, I'm going to go first with this one, mate, because it's directed at me. But I, I love your thoughts as well, Francis. I I think that's a very, very, very reasonable critique. And I, but, but in doing so, I'm going to say that that possibly might be because either I wasn't clear enough or maybe you haven't heard me talk a little bit more fully about the way I conduct my own personal affairs. And I think the analogy you draw is a great one. I just think there's extra stuff to that analogy that when I add to it, we'll end up in the same place. And so I am absolutely fully invested all the time when I, well, I say that and I always feel a bit guilty, mate. It's like the plumber with a leaky tap, right? I, I absolutely, every time I get paid every month, I put money from my uh, you know, transaction bank account into my investment account. And I say fully invested, I don't actually place the trades every month necessarily because I just sometimes don't get around to it. So I, I will say effectively fully invested or theoretically or, or you know, mostly fully invested, uh, not because I'm doing anything other than just being lazy and not getting around to it rather than any strategic decision or tactical decision to hold more cash. So occasionally I might have a couple of months worth of, or, you know, I think sometimes three or four months actually of cash that I haven't just got around to putting in the market yet. So that's, that's true. 
uh, but it's not for any not for any other reason. I, look, I don't need to necessarily disclose that because no one would know the difference, and it's not that big a deal. But I kind of feel like being a little more uh, fully uh, honest, <laughs> just you know, also sharing the foibles that that I have. Um, hopefully, is a little more honest and, and gives people a little more sense of how I how I do what I'm doing, and also uh, that I'm not perfect. When it comes to being fully invested, Francis, I am absolutely fully invested with a massive asterisk, and that is my wife and I also have a rainy day account. We have money set aside for the times when we might need to do a thing. Now, uh, we had our house uh, flood, the bottom of our house flooded in January, February, March last year. Um, We have a very large excess on our insurance because it was cheaper premiums. uh, And so we had to pay that down. Uh, We have had circumstances, sometimes we got to replace a fridge or a microwave or a TV or whatever. um, And that there's money in that account to do those things. And frankly, um, if my boss was to knock me, knock on my proverbial door one day and say, Scott, it's been fun, but out you go, or my wife's business wasn't going quite so well, having that rainy day account means we can meet our expenses if income dried up for any one of a number of different reasons. So I am absolutely fully invested with the money that I have available to invest, again with that asterisk, but I also have a rainy day account. And from, to my mind, mate, this is where I think the analogy you, you rightly highlight, I actually think still holds because I want companies to have a rainy day account of their own. That lazy balance sheet is effectively the rainy day account. And I think that's an important uh, way to think about the way they operate, the way we operate, maximizing or, or aiming to maximize your upside at every single opportunity is fine until you need to actually minimize your downside And if you don't have the flexibility, the structure to allow you to do both of those things with a rainy day account for me, with a lazy balance sheet for a company, then that's exactly what you want. If you are so finely tuned that you say, if everything goes right, I'm going to make a squillion dollars. But if everything goes wrong, I'm stuffed. Uh, Versus if everything goes right, I'll make half a million dollars. If everything goes wrong, I'm completely covered and I'm fine and I'll be all right. Thanks very much. Mm. That is still far and away on my uh, my personal finances, for a company's finances. Absolutely the way I think you should approach investing. I think you should approach property investing the same way. If your tenant moves out, you want to have some cash. Um, you know, I think those things are, are absolutely not, uh, you know, there's, there's no issue. There's no, there's no, to my mind anyway, um, issue with holding those views at the same time. I don't, I don't want companies to have a school. If they've got excess cash they can't use, don't use, won't use, can never possibly need, then they should pay a special dividend or buy back some shares. So yep. I'm not saying, for instance, any amount of money on a company balance sheet is okay. And when we say lazy balance sheet, we're saying enough cash, not so much cash that it's ridiculous. And I don't, th- I don't think we ever imply that. I don't even think you necessarily think we did either, by the way. Um, but while I'm answering the question most fully, um, there is an amount of money that's too much money. If you've got all that, if you know you can cover your downsides and you've got no good ideas for investing it and you don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, then give it back to shareholders. You know, buy back special dividend for me if our running day account gets too big I'm going to take some of that money and invest it I, th- I think that's absolutely consistent Ram? yeah I, I think you you did that really well it, it this, is the, this is the hard thing about rules of thumb right I was like well you know there is this and there is that and and, and I guess like a, a little bit more nuance here I would I would adjust that slider of how much I invest versus how much is in the rainy day fund, depending on the nature of my income. So for example, let's say I'm a a contractor or I'm a small business owner and, you know, it's just my, my, my income may be very decent over the course of a year, but it might fluctuate quite a bit. That's very different to someone who's a career public servant 
who's got long service leave tucked away and, you know, all kinds of redundancy protections. And, you know, just in other words, you're an incredibly, yeah, nice. incredibly reliable income. It's like, it'd, it'd be hard for you to get, you'd have to do some, some pretty bad things to get fired, right? And so, and that's, that actually, that analogy I think is, is true for a company as well. If you're a business like, um, geez, I don't know, like a tollway operator or, you know, something like that where that where the revenues are incredibly dependable. That's very mm-hmm. different from a, from a business who has a, a great degree of variability in, in their revenues <laughs> as well. So yes. both would yeah. want that sort of quote unquote rainy day fund. Sure, you don't want to stretch yourself to the limit, but, you know, one, it, one, it, one it's a little bit more permissible to, to be, you know, fully mm-hmm. invested as opposed to the other, which, which probably needs a little bit of a buffer. So- I think you have to look at it in, in all of those contexts. But, you know, the short answer here is, yeah, stay as fully invested as you can, ensuring that there is a little bit of money there that if the unexpected were to happen, that you're not a forced seller. Never a forced seller be is always a good rule, whether it's property or shares or anything. Mm, beautiful. Uh, I think that's exactly right, mate. I, the only other thing I'd add, mate, is just to have some humility in terms of the range of outcomes. Yes. Um, even the public servant with the with the super and everything else, and you say, well, I mean, look, in most cases, I should be okay. Um, you got to work out for yourself where that slider sits on most versus all. Mm. Uh, you know, at some point, you say, well, I'm going to hold uh, five years expenses in cash just in case. I think that's silly. Obviously, you know, you can't cover every possible eventuality. By the way, though, I will say, uh, income protection insurance is something I personally have for exactly that reason. I've got some ready to account up to a certain amount of money, and then if it's longer than that, probably something catastrophic's gone wrong, and so I've got mm. income protection insurance to cover exactly that that eventuality uh, but but the key thing for me at least in between those two parts is just you know yes in my view um we've said so many times mate going back to zero is go back to square one's just it's an absolute tragedy financially right so yeah. bigger issues in the world bigger problems than, than financial problems but still pretty bad problems um so just just be just you know you're ram's absolutely right the, the slider of you know how secure is your income what are your range of outcomes do you have a partner what's that partner earning uh, how employable are they how employable are you those things are all true um, I would just personally, I would add a margin of safety to use the uh, the investing term, just to make sure you're going to go. Well, yeah, look in, yeah, yeah. If I if I range if I plot the range of outcomes, I want to be covered for ninety percent of the outcomes, not not fifty one percent of the outcomes. Yeah. Because uh, you know you don't want to be tossing a coin when it comes to that sort of stuff. In my opinion, anyway. No, no, no. I agree. Hey, mate. Uh, this one comes from an anonymous listener who signs off with an anonymous listener who starts with Hi, Scott and Andrew from anonymous listener so I'm, I'm going to take the hint here and I'm going to say this one's from an anonymous listener <laughs> yeah, uh, he or she says you guys do an amazing job every week at capturing the good stuff that should be talked about in the wider community thank you immigration inflation housing politics fiscal policies or lack thereof and the occasional accounting 101 please don't apologize for any of it well okay if you say so I always find myself as one of the three people left in the room still <laughs> listening well at least you've got one of them ticked off find the other two and we're, we're home my rant oh here we go my rant I'm an immigrant who benefited in the richness of what Australia has to offer from the age of 10 during the Paul Keating days educated at a public school and started a career in investment banking here I went abroad to work for 15 years came back with young children last year with the hope of giving them the same richness that I enjoyed growing up but I now often ask myself, what happened to this country? Why does everything seem to have gone backwards? From childcare to public schools, to jobs, to housing, to unsustainable levels of debt, even before the higher for longer inflation rates we are to expect. It seems to me we've already burned through a whole generation of wealth in real terms. Hope or despair? How do I explain to my kids in 15 years time why I brought them back here? 
I'd like to think that at least 51% of us could apply common sense to social economic decisions and demand this from our government instead of giving the candidates a free pass at each election with a choice between the lesser of two evils. Or have we already become the short-sighted popular society that we dread becoming? Here's a thought. How about you fellas throw your hat in the ring and give these pollies a run for their money? Or taxpayer money, says our listener. <laughs> There's no adults in the room anyway. Ha. Huh. Well, I'm not sure. What, let's let's stop there, mate. Are you uh, should we should we start the uh, motley straw party or the the straw fool party? What, what do you reckon? Have we got a chance here? No, I, I I'm not a masochist, <laughs> frankly. I, this is this is the this is probably one of the root causes of the problems. I mean, the people best Isn't equipped it? to to be in that line of work probably don't want to be, and those that are desperate for it are there for the the status and the power. They're not necessarily there for the the uh, good although that's a little bit harsh i think a lot of people do start off that way and then you got to get sucked into the cynicism of the machine and you realize that there's a certain way that the game is played and if you want to succeed you got to kind of play it maybe or maybe that i don't know maybe that's a little bit too bleak but uh no i'm not i'm not going to put my hand up anytime soon and i imagine if i did i would very much malmaninger it you know i would just <laughs> Someone would shove a camera <laughs> yes, in my face right. and uh, oh, I would just say so the dumbest true. thing and then go, oh, it's going to be there forever. So, mm. yeah, no, not for me. I I occasionally have delusions of wanting to actually go and make a difference in Canberra, mate, honestly. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I would ever do it. And this is, you know, I, I, I want to... For exactly the reasons you say, you know, I won't say if not me, who, because there's plenty of other people who do it, right? And I think, by the way, some of the independents are doing a spectacular job. I don't always agree with them, uh, but they are a massive breath of fresh air. I'm just yeah, so they? excited about yeah. the, the group. If, you know, I, I might choose some and not others if I was given the choice, but if I had to take them all or none of them, I'd take them all. You know, yeah. I think they've done a really, really great, even some of the polls. I, I reckon Jackie Lambie is, is just brilliant, right? I don't agree with her maybe a third of the time, uh, but she cares she just genuinely cares. She's a genuinely normal person from, you know, normal, the normal world saying, hey, I can put my hand out and have a go here and I'll, I'll try and do what's right. And, you know, as I said, I would, I would have her do different things. I disagree with, you know, both majors and the, the Teals and other independents from time to time too, right? But mm. you're just fine with people like her. Um, David Pocock's probably the other one. In terms of just genuine yes. passion, genuine commitment, the courage of their convictions uh, where even some of the other independents, uh, you kind of get the sense they are already playing politics. Uh, not the others aren't necessarily. They were always very mindful of it. Uh, David Pocock's done a great job. If you're following him on social media, um, half his tweets are about the big issues and half the tweets are about you know, stadiums in, in the ACT and public <laughs> schools in, in a particular suburb. He, he gets he gets retail politics right and good on him. Mm. Um, that's actually, speaking of which, though, why I don't think I'd ever would. Well, no major party is going to have me. Uh, and I don't know any I've got enough people to, to vote for me as an independent. Uh, I probably wouldn't want to uh, stand for any of the majors anyway, by the way. No. Um, and, and you kind of think, okay, well, how would I get, how would I get elected? And then what would I have to do to stay elected? I, I you know, I'm, I'm a relatively moderate person, generally speaking, other than when I'm ranting. I just, but I don't, I don't do, I've never been very good at office politics, for example. And I've got myself into trouble more than once. Not in a, not in a, you know, um, bad behavior out of class or anything. Just one of those things where I just, I just can't be bothered and I can't be bothered making the effort because I just, I don't think it should be the case. And it's really stupid and naive and immature of me to do it. That way it's like, oh, I should play the game and I should do this and I should do that. Um, you know, you know me better than that, mate. I just, I, I can't be bothered. And I just figure if I was going to do politics, I'd have to do the whole, here's what I think, here's how I am unvarnished like it or not i'll try and do the right things i'll make some mistakes i've been imperfect i'll be imperfect this is what you get and 
unless you're Bob Catter, you kind of can't get away with that. You've got to play the David Pocock game. You've got to, you know, you've got to be the retail politician. So I, I don't know if I, if I did ever um, put my hand up, uh, I have a, I have a suspicion that in doing so, uh, I would, I would probably not be there for very long. I do like. I think I've anyway. mentioned this more than one occasion, but it's always stuck with me. The um, <laughs> Douglas Adams line in Hitchhikers, where he says, "Like anyone is, in regard to Zaphoid Breeblebrox is." Um, Anyone who has the capacity to get themselves elected should be disqualified on that basis. Right? <laughs> yeah, Which right. I've always thought, you know, like the yes, skills yes. needed to get elected are not the right. Yes. Not, they're not the elements you want in in a in a leader. So it's a bit correct, of a conundrum. Correct. Yeah. I, again, look, you know, so I don't. It's not going to happen. Um, as I said, I, I, I from, again, for my sins, mate, I, I rant and carry on in public and uh, social media as my way of hopefully adding something to the debate. I kind of feel like. It's arrogant, right? It just it is. I'm not going to pretend it's anything other than that. But I feel like I've got some thoughts on some things sometimes, and I think sometimes those thoughts hopefully add value somehow. And if I can, you know, give people some thoughts, and if I can add to the public debate in some modest way, then I think that's about as much as I can do. Hopefully, this podcast helps. Again, it's a finance podcast, but these those issues don't exist in a vacuum. They exist in a in a world of policy and politics and and other things. So uh, hopefully, we're doing a half decent job of at least adding to the conversation. If we can make people think and make people think about their vote or the way they talk about or to their politicians or policy then even if they disagree with us uh you know if we've helped add to the debate if we've advanced the debate then i reckon we've done a reasonably good job maybe we could do more but i reckon we've, we've probably done okay yeah i think that's something it's whether you have a podcast or not right i think just um yes having the yes. conversations with people and you know it's, you have to again have to be a bit of a masochist though right you know <laughs> speaking like i think this is this is something that you will uh, will have found uh, no doubt over christmas when you're around the table with your uh, family and and loved ones and you know old uncle jim makes a statement that may makes you bristle a little bit you can get into some heated topics but but they're good. They're good to have these conversations. So, uh, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, Hopefully know, we're helping. Sunlight is the best disinfectant, <laughs> as they say. So get it all out in the I open. I love that. <laughs> Mate, let's go with the questions from our, our listener who says, anyway, now to the questions. One, if technology drives real growth and growth is what we are looking for in any meaningful time period, why do we even bother with the S&P or the ASX when we could go with the NASDAQ ETFs or even tech-focused ETFs. Good mm. question. What say you? Yeah, so I, I just want to I just want to share in the uh, nihilistic opening statement there and uh, say that I, I definitely get the um, the uh, despair <laughs> around where the, the country is. is <laughs> oh going. yeah, we should talk about. Sorry, yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah. I, I, I just acknowledge it because I think I think a lot of us get it. Um, it, it feels Australia used to be. Uh, we really pr uh, prided ourselves on being a meritocracy and not having a lot of the baggage that came from the old world where it depended on what mummy or True. daddy did as to where my station in life was. Whereas if if I was, uh, you know, a, a productive, capable, hardworking person that I, that I could almost be guaranteed a reasonable level of success, you know. Um, uh, and I think that's that's – it's not not true today, but it's less true than it was. And I, I think it's I think we are seeing a wealth divide, and it's always mm. not a problem if you're in the person who's dividing in the right direction. 
Um, But even if you are there, I think it is a problem because you, Mm. I mean, do you want to be in the top 1% in a failing state or do you, would you either be like right bang in the middle of a, of a very flat society where everyone's pretty rich? I know which I would rather be. That's not a, that's not an advertisement for communism, by the way, before anyone, (laughs) before anyone writes in, but I, you know, anyway, so that's that's a very deep rabbit hole. Yeah. So tech, so I I think technology is absolutely. God, I've thought a lot about this this year. Um, <laughs> technology is the basis of all of the wealth that we have. I mean, otherwise we'd be going around as hunter-gatherers still, right? And then we yeah, just I love in- that. I love we that. invented better ways to do things. Yep. And and every invention made us more, we, you know, economists call it productive, but just, but you know, it just means we could do less with more. Mm-hmm. The great, and I've used mm-hmm. it before, but, you know, I could I can go out, with a spear and try and catch some fish and you know get reasonably good at that and then someone invents a net and then someone invents a, a trawler you know and it's just like wow um and i i i've i've since starting to look at the world through this lens i see it everywhere everywhere i go you just kind of think wow what i am able to do with these tools like even if i'm like re- fixing something at home and i you know i've got i'm not a tool guy but i've got a few you know it's like wow that was that was really cool that I could do that. Imagine not having a hammer and trying to do this or, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, it, yeah. It, And what you realize is that it is the source of, of all real well. Look at the things around you that you really value and, and make your life better. There's all the technology that's there. And I, I, where I'm sort of headed with this, well, a couple of things. One is technology compounds. So it actually forms a, like technologies themselves become the foundation of the next level of discovery and technology. You can't, you can't have uh, computers without silicon chips, you know, or not good ones at least anyway. And you can't do that without a, a deep insight into Boolean logic and mathematics, et cetera, et cetera. So everything sort of layers upon. And that, that's why we're having exponential growth, frank, frankly. Um, so it's really, it's really a fundamental thing. I think the trouble is, is that in the modern era, technology has been captured as a term to mean computer stuff, um, and but technology is anything, right? Like a wheel is technology. Fire is, yes, is, totally. is yes. technology. Yes. Farming yep. techniques are, uh, are technology. So I would say anything yes. in the broader indices that aren't quote-unquote tech-focused, they're all using technology. <laughs> Even right. if they're business processes, quote-unquote technology, yep. they're different ways of doing things that are more efficient and more better. So it's, it's, it is – I think it is wrong. I, I get I get where the question is coming from here, but I think it's wrong to think that anything that isn't of that narrowly defined technology label, if it doesn't have that, that therefore it can't be a source of productivity and wealth creation. It's just that it might be a different type of technology or it might just be, there are some companies out there that are as boring as anything and really don't <laughs> have any technology advantage, but they have incredible systems and processes and just wonderful at executing mm. in, in and that they their innovations are more around maybe from a hr lens you know and how the, mm. how they manage their people a lot of people businesses that, that they're the assets right there isn't really there's a yeah, coffee exactly. machine a photocopier and and a bunch of cubicles that's there's no factory that mm-hmm. that is there but but you know two companies of that character can be wildly different because of the culture that's in place and and the morale and all of these other kinds of things so uh this is a very long-winded answer but yes not technology technology well the other the other thing i'll add, add here is is that it's not just the technology it's the use of that technology so uh 
you know, email and computers have been around for a good while now. And, you know, every company uses them. Some companies use them incredibly well. Others don't use them well at all. Um, uh, and, and some of those technologies are available to everyone, you know? So it's kind of like just, just having the technology itself is not enough. You actually kind of need to take that technology just to stay even with everyone else who's competing with you. Um, Mm. Does that make sense? So, yeah, that's hundred percent. Yeah, and another totally. sorry, and another um, point. Another point is there are technologies that come along, but they can take a long time to mature. And so, I think this is where we're at with AI. I mean, I'm I think people will know my view on AI. I'm I'm, I'm hyper bullish on it, but at the same time, I can keep two thoughts in my head, which is it's also very likely to be a bubble right now because every company's branding itself with, oh, we use AI and we do this. And there's just, they're just sort of like, yeah, it's technically true, but I don't think is, I, I don't think of you as an AI company. I don't think what you're doing there really distinguishes you from what others in the space might be doing. Um, it is, it is, it is huge potential, massive implications for what it, for productivity and, and life in general. But am, does that mean I'm going to invest in in you know hell for leather just in AI? It's like no, I actually want to see those companies that can really make the most of it and take that technology, which is largely available to all of us, and employ that in creative and new and novel ways, and then carve out competitive advantages around that. So it's it's there's a few layers there. That's a really good question. A really good point, mate. I I'm gonna yeah I think I'm gonna. I'm going to kind of straddle both. You're absolutely right. This I, I 100% agree. Uh, tech is a massive misnomer. It is probably the most useless term in, in investing right now. Yeah. Um, what isn't tech? Everything. Uh, yeah. Who's not using tech? Well, nobody. Everyone's using tech to some degree. Even, you know, is Amazon tech? Yes. Is Woolworths tech? No. Okay. Well, why? Well, because Amazon's got a greater percentage of its sales on the internet. Okay. If that's if that you know what I mean. It's just, and it's not to say that companies using using what we call modern technology more aren't probably better place. So again, I'm not even disagreeing with the questioner, right? Because part of me thinks I've said this before, those companies are the ones inventing the future. You know, the mm. next big innovation that genuinely puts, you know, more zeros on the end of a, a portfolio is probably not Woolies launching a new product range or opening a new store, even though they're using technology. Yep. The ability for a capital light business with a massive footprint and super smart people to invent a whole new, think about Amazon, right? I own shares as we know. Uh, they invented Amazon Web Services. The, ent the, entire, the entire cloud computing offering of Amazon came about because Amazon said, actually, at night when no one's ordering anything from our bookshop, uh, the computers are sitting idle. What if we could use that computing power? That's literally how it started, right? <laughs> so you go, well, you know, Woolies tried to get into Masters in hardware and didn't and closed down and went home. So I, I'm going I'm to take both sides of this. I think the Nasdaq will outperform, but I don't think it'll outperform with anywhere near as much conviction as I would need to say, abandon everything else, only do that. Mm. Two reasons. One, um, the, you know, the internet, is a technology everyone the multi fuel uses it strawman uses it Woolworths uses it uh, you, you know my my, uh, the, <laughs> my internet's out at the moment as I told you before we started recording the bloke who's going to come and fix it uses a, a, an online SaaS tool to book appointments now he obviously also installs internet but you know that idea of you know anyone using all this sort of stuff the, the local the local tradie who uses high pages to, to you know get jobs uh, he's a tradie he's a, he's a brickie he's a carpet layer he's a whatever uses the internet mm. um but I do think those companies are more likely to invent the future. So will, am I right? I don't know. Would I, would I abandon everything else and take a, a concentrated bet that I might be? No, that would be crazy in my mind. Secondly, though, uh, am I sure the valuations are attractive enough right now, given what might happen? No. 
So I have, I own the Nasdaq ETF. I love the Nasdaq ETF. I've recommended the Nasdaq ETF. I absolutely think everyone should own some of it or at least some uh, US uh, businesses. But for all of that, uh, I think it's I think it's worth saying the uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't just do it um, because there's no point in concentrating your bets that specifically. If you're right, you'll be glad you did. If you're wrong, you'll be horrified. And again, we'll go back to square one, which we just spoke about. Yep. Speaking of which, in the second question from our uh, anonymous questioner: In light of growth, again, would we not expect the emerging markets ETFs to generate better returns than ETFs that track the developed markets? In the next 10 to 15 years have i missed a trick what do you say yeah no steer clear um i can't give advice oh, so I'll, I'll, I'll i won't say that i'll re- 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 reframe that um, <laughs> um <laughs> you may want to consider steering clear you may want to consider steering clear <laughs> I, I i i think too many people say it and advise it because it sounds good and yeah. it sounds smart and it's, why does yeah. it sound good well you know there is a lot of <laughs> people and potential outside of the US and Australia and Europe, yeah. right? Like, in fact, billions. And um, uh, and they're emerging. In other words, they're growing, yeah. right? So that sounds super mm-hmm. smart. And because of diversification and all the rest of it. Here's the thing. Name for me five countries that are emerging, developing, third world, whatever term with global south is another one you hear lately that yeah. the, the names yeah. change but that have actually emerged that's right yeah. so there's taiwan that's done it successfully mm-hmm. um china yep uh, oh still it depends who you ask right still still in some words some yeah cases developing yep. some cases developed yeah yeah I, I can't think of any others i mean south america has been developing for 100 years yeah, yes, exactly. Now, now, why why is that? Lazy people, not very capable, not very intelligent people. Well, no, that's BS, right? So that's that's definitely not true. I would. I actually saw a post the other day. I'm not going to be able to find it on the fly, where they on uh, Twitter where they were talking about the Chinese market. So you can say what you like about China, but officially it's grown at like seven eight percent compound for thirty years, right? Um, you can, and then, and then you can even be more specific. It's like, well, no, I'm going to invest in um, Alibaba or Tencent, or that. Like, shareholders have done woefully bad here. Companies that have genuinely made a lot of money. What's what's, and you know, and and, the, and on this tweet, I think the 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 poster put governance matters, and 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 that's a niceish <laughs> way of saying that. You, who's extracting the value here? We we are such in a, a privileged bubble in Australia. We we sometimes forget that, and and that we are very good. Now I would back to the earlier point um, from another question. Like some of these institutional um, um, advantages are probably being eroded over time, but we do have very good institutions at making sure that there are protections for small investors and you know in what must be reported and the rest of it and we get to share more equally in 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 value that is created in other parts of the world and again i'm not going to mention any specific names here but but it, there's plenty of value being cre- well not plenty but there there is value being created it's just it's siphoned off through corruption and poor institutions and and the rest mm-hmm. of it so i mean like let's say let's say strawman all of a sudden goes to a billion dollars in revenue 
and any shareholders there would go, well, that's going to be a good thing. Well, not if I start paying myself a billion dollars each year. <laughs> the net profit's exactly. not really going to be there. Or maybe I start using a bunch of related party transactions to pay other companies that I own and have a major stake mm -hmm. in and pay them exorbitant. It's all, you could write a book. People have written books on, on all of the shenanigans that you can get up to to extract value <laughs> away from, from shareholders. And unfortunately, unfortunately, the scenario is in much of the developed world, when I say much, like a very significant majority, where they have all kinds of endemic problems with corruption and poor mm. institutional protections and the rest of it, and they just never emerge. And any time that there is something that is that is to be, you know, celebrated in terms of a, a local success story, there, it, those those spoils are generally not equally spared, uh, shared. And so, for me, although it sounds good, I'd stay a mile away. Maybe you can argue the other way. Yeah. The other way, be keen, actually, because I, I feel as I'm a little bit too hardline on it. But I just, I just haven't seen good evidence as to as to why that would be the case. So I actually agree with you, not as not as a, not as um, confidently and not as strongly, but on the balance of probabilities, where you start with, am I confident in a probabilistic outcome that I'm going to make a lot of money? So even if you're even if you're wrong. It's still there's still no evidence to to be sure that you will be wrong if that makes sense or, mm -hmm. or put the other way around uh, is it possible emerging markets will do well yes given history and given the circumstances how sure am I and would I want to invest that way and the answer for me is no so I'm not saying it can't happen it won't happen stay away I'm saying including your investment universe so differently to you including your investment universe when you're considering ideas. But then ask yourself, how would I handicap the odds of making money on that? And with enough certainty to actually put my scarce resources, some of those into emerging markets. And I still come back with the same answer. So different, mm. different perspective, um, you know, same, same kind of response. Now, my view um, is that I, if I, Australia was an emerging market. Australia was a developing market. We had we had wool, you know, and then we had gold, and then we had some manufacturers, and then we had some resources. And then we, you know, there, there is, you know, there there are more examples I think that we maybe realise of of companies who have, who have gone from developing to developed. I think in any, in any meaningful way. Mm. Um, but I also think here's a couple of things. Firstly, those emerging countries are being colonised, not in a political sense, and that's probably a loaded term. So maybe I should have thought about a different term. But they are effectively being uh, infiltrated by the West when it comes to capitalism. You go to those emerging markets, you will find Coke. You will find, you know, uh, uh, Toyotas. You, you know, that, that. So as those countries grow, uh, you've got to ask yourself, firstly, will they grow? Don't know. Will they grow enough? Don't know. Uh, will their local industries succeed? Don't know. Will their listed companies do better than the listed companies elsewhere? And again, you might be surprised to hear me say, don't know. And so that combination of ideas, far more than just will they emerge, will they develop, will they become and join the developed world, even if they do, uh, you know, you've got to, you know, you don't get to just buy a, a leveraged share of GDP and then say, well, if and when they, you know, Australia grows this way, China, 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 you could have, if you'd bought a share of China's GDP 50 years ago and you, yeah, and you were able to somehow leverage that, you'd be, you'd be, a, you'd be a squillionaire. The, the compound growth of China has been phenomenal. But their stock market hasn't necessarily done that. Why? Well, because the country's uh, growth hasn't necessarily been reflected in their listed companies. The price you might have paid in the past may or may not have been too high because everyone else already expected that sort of growth to come through. Uh, so any any investment you make, even in the you know, same idea of, uh, we've said so many times, but I'll go back to the old hackneyed example, airlines. 
You know, airline flights will grow yeah. a, a, a thousandfold between 1970 and 2020. Fill your boots. And you would have gone broke. So yeah. I get the theme. I get the idea. It's not it's not a silly thought, anonymous listener, uh, but trying to make you know, be successful in that space is a much, much harder thing, I think. No, I, I actually, the other... Th- um I'll, I'll point another finger. This is going to be really controversial, but I, I think when you look into it, 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 it's less so. There's a really good book. Well, I've, I've heard the author interviewed on several podcasts. I haven't read the book yet. It's on order. It's called Hidden Repression. It's by a gentleman called Alex Gladstein. Uh, it's basically how the IMF and World Bank basically exploit a lot of these countries. You know, they, they for one, the simplest way of doing it is they they act like loan sharks. So it's like, here, we're going to lend you a bunch of money. We know you'll never pay it back. And when you can't, we'll come in and demand <laughs> structural changes to your uh, industry, except, but which benefits us. You know, we basically, they basically right, right, turn right. a lot of these countries into banana type yeah. republics. And it's just compounded by the fact that they've got a very corrupt yeah. political elite. And so it sounds, it's very jarring as a Westerner to go, whoa, you're saying the IMF mm. and the World Bank are doing this. Not not as an evil cabal of lizard people, but just just mis, misinformed altruism <laughs> that, you know, mm. trying to do good. Oh, let's help the poor developing nations. And it's like, you get dudes, stop. You're not helping. You're, you're absolutely not helping. When, and when they invariably fail at repaying the terms that you've set out, you you then go in and, and demand all kinds of, uh, of things which just hobble the country. You know, look at there's a really great um, uh, John Oliver on chocolate recently. You know, if you want to be depressed about eating chocolate, like watch that. <laughs> there's the IMF and World Bank's fingerprints are all over it. So there's, yeah, there's, there's a bigger yeah. macro forces at play there. And again, I, I don't want to sound conspiratorial. I think it's comes from a good place but it's just it's just really not helped um the other thing just to go back while you were chorting there I, just, I looked up some figures here so let's go back 10 years and uh put all our money in the blackrock iShares china large cap etf <laughs> right <laughs> like you know uh you would have gotten a 0.73 percent return like what like 10 years like a lot like my goodness, what has happened in China over the last 10 years? You know, it's called an economic miracle. And yet I've, yes, yeah. I'm flat. In fact, in inflation-adjusted terms, I'm assuming this is not an inflation-adjusted figure, I've gone backwards very significantly over 10 years. And, and could, could you, again, imagine going back in time and saying, I'm from the year 2023. China is going to have explosive, <laughs> right. between now, 2013 yeah. and 2020, it is going to have explosive growth. It's going to be on the cusp of being the world's largest um, uh, economy. Do you think this is a good area to invest? Hell yeah. Uh, what's GDP done? It's done this. Wow, what a corporate uh, profits done? It's done that. Okay, I'm in. And I've, and I've done terribly. Um, more specifically, Alibaba. Uh, so I'm just on Yahoo Finance here. I can go back to 2014. So almost, yeah, actually almost 10 years ago. And I could have bought shares in Alibaba at 86 US dollars. They're $75 today. Mm. And they went via $310 along the way. Now you might think, oh, but things have gone really bad recently. It's like, no. No, revenues doubled in the last three years. Again, just looking at Yahoo mm-hmm. Finance. The gross profit has gone from $227 billion to $350 billion. You know, th- these, these, are, these are businesses and countries who under all published metrics are, are going right. And yet, and yet that, that has happened. So this requires some very serious second order thinking. And um, uh, yeah, so we've made the point, but I, as I, I'll, I'll just end where I started, which was I would advise <laughs> you to think very carefully about investing in emerging markets. 
Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Mate, um, Dave has says a, a uh, this is a question which I love to start off. Hi, pod machinists, he <laughs> says. Thank you, Dave. That's us. I heard your recent call out for questions for the pre-recorded Christmas mailbag episodes. Well, we're still doing them. I own units in the BetaShares Hack Global Cybersecurity ETF. Over the past five years, this ETF has paid a relatively handsome annual dividend. However, this year there was no distribution at all. A quick search tells me that three of the top five underlying holdings paid dividends prior to the end of June 2023. What happens to these dividends if the fund does not distribute them to unit holders? Do they simply carry over to the next distribution? How does this impact the value of the ETF? Should distribution frequency and reliability be a consideration in selecting an ETF? Merry Christmas, fellas, says Dave. Enjoy a well-deserved break. Thank you, mate. Much appreciated. Uh, we did. And we're back although we're not back back we've pre-recorded this one let's see we will be back with you probably next week actually so uh brand new episodes recorded next week mate in the meantime uh what do you reckon i actually don't know dave i i, I mean it depends on the specific policy of mm. hack which i'm not familiar with um mm. so i'm not i'm actually not sure what what do you you've probably got a better answer than that scott go for it so i'll start i'll, I'll go from the backwards and work forwards um I don't know that I would be buying a cybersecurity ETF for the dividend, uh, honestly, Dave. So uh, should distribution frequency and reliability be a consideration? Uh, no, unless that's exactly what you're looking for. Uh, and then in the answer is yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yes. Because that's what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, total return is total return. If you're going to reinvest your proceeds into either this ETF or something else, then all you're really doing is saying, well, I'm getting part of my total return this way but I'm accumulating, I'm compounding, so the money goes back in one form or another. So in that sense, should it be? Well, not unless you want it to be. Now, some people want the income. Some people just like companies that pay dividends for reasons we've talked about before. It forces discipline. It gives you some capital uh, return uh, in the form of a dividend. It uh, allows you to, uh, you know, it's often tax advantaged. Um, it gives you a sense of how much cash the business is throwing off. There's, there's lovely reasons for dividend paying companies if that's your thing. Um, but also, if it's not your thing, that's okay too. Uh, so don't worry about it. Distributions from ETFs are really, 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 really weird. They are super volatile and they're all over the place. I think, uh, I, I was going to try and stab at the, the, company, the ETF, but I can't quite bring it to mind now, mate. Um, hence the lack of research we do on this podcast. Uh, but it's all there's other ETFs that do exactly the same thing and are all over the place. Um, it, it does tend to be a, a combination of the in, income received from the companies, the cash available to the the, um, the the trust. Uh, sometimes the trust rules that require income to be paid out. Um, it might depend on what the losses have been made elsewhere. It is, ETF, ETF dividends are an absolute mess, uh, which again, shouldn't discourage anybody unless you're literally looking for it. Uh, but they are, they are going to be all over the place, Dave. What I would say, mate, is because it's a, these things are effectively trust, they're set up that way, It's a, or the fund is a, a trust style structure, um, it, it will absolutely be reflected in the value of the ETF one way or the other. Your total return is still uh, in that, you know, going to be the same thing. If they paid you out of the keep the money, your wealth is increasing by that amount. Now, obviously, if they're keeping it, then you've got to believe they're going to reinvest it well. If they're paying it out, you've got to choose to reinvest it well. Uh, but yeah, as I've said before, a 50 cents a share price of a 50 cent dividend is still a dollar. Uh, a dollar share price of no dividend is, is a dollar. The results are the same either way. Uh, but I can't give you, uh, well, sorry, the, the advice I should give you or the, the information I should give you is, yeah, know that 
all ETFs, except for those that specifically set themselves up as yield ETFs, they are designed effectively exactly that way. Uh, don't don't assume or rely on that. Certainly, this is probably the biggest bit of advice. There are, have been people trapped by looking at past dividends saying, this like, last year's dividend was brilliant. I'm going to buy some shares now or buy some units in this trust now. Uh, and then next year is nothing. And they go, oh, what happened? Uh, you shouldn't ever use historical dividends from those ETFs, again, unless they are specifically set up to do this uh, as an indication of your likely income returns from the ETFs themselves. Yeah, and the other thing to do too is just, uh, which I have, although I'm not a fast enough reader to give you a definitive answer on this, but you go to the BetaShares website and you'll find the product disclosure statement, the PDS, and they'll tell you, just just Google, oh, it's not Google, just search distributions there. And it'll yeah, tell yeah. you the fund intends to pay yeah. distributions at least annually. Uh, it may include yes. dividends received, realized gains <laughs> or losses, right. yes. uh, or other yes. accessible income. Uh, it depends. After we've paid for our fees, yes. so there is a. It seems to me there's a. Dis- this yeah, isn't a bad right. thing, right? But there is a discretion from the from the yep. operators of this uh, ETF, and um, yeah, that it, yep. yeah it depends on what's happening underlying there, what opportunities they see, whether they feel as though their investors want it. So it's not something that is mm. that is set in stone by the looks of it. But there is, it's a hundred and thirty-two page PDF, so I, yeah. I and can't. it's messy as hell. Yeah, it's messy as hell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing I should actually you, you mentioned one thing I should have mentioned, and I didn't. It, a horrible oversight from my my account. Paying out gains is is often is often the key thing that drives that that income oh, distribution yes. volatility. So if they if they sell a lot of positions in a given year for whatever reason they choose to sell them, it might be a takeover, they might think it's not valuable enough, they might want to put money somewhere else. When they sell those that that can create a distribution requirement because there's really significant rules on trusts, it's a bit like family trusts and other things where all income must be distributed. Uh, and so you kind of they can't retain some of that stuff. So sometimes they choose to, other times they have to because that's the rules that are set by the accounting bodies or the lawyers or whatever else. Mm. Uh, so that's kind of just the way these things tend to work. Yep. Hey, mate, um, let's finish off with a question from Richard. Uh, <laughs> I'm loving some of these questions I'm getting and some of the comments, uh, as Tony Jones might say. Dear Scott and Andrew, instead of increasing interest rates to reduce spending for those with debt and therefore inflation, why doesn't the government simply raise taxes for everyone for a stated number of months? This way, every salary, wage earner, beneficiary and business owner, rich or poor, would receive less income, therefore would be less inclined to spend while this temporary measure was in place. The return to normal taxation could be gradual to discourage pent-up desire to spend. The current practice of raising interest rates is discriminatory against those with debt and has no effect on the debt-free population. Why not have a solution that involves everyone in the nation to solve the nation's problem? I know the Reserve Bank is tasked with inflation reduction. Why not allow the government to help? Thanks for your informative podcast. It is the only one, wow, I listen to on a regular basis. That's very kind, Richard. Thank you, mate. And really, really great question. Do you want to kick this one off, mate? Yeah, it's easy. Uh, the answer is politics. Um, pure and simple. <laughs> yes. Pure yes, and simple. It is. So yep. Anthony Albanese gets up and goes, hey, you're all spending too much, so we're going to tax you more. And yep. he gets a big kick on the bum. <laughs> and then exactly. uh, who's the other one? Yeah. Dutton goes, well, we would never do that. We'll actually give you a tax cut. It's like, I'm voting for that dude, right? Like, yep. you know, the, the, the idea that we are um, as a nation or as a people, you know, going to see the bigger picture from it through a non-selfish lens is just, you know, yep. it's so depressingly true, but it's true. Yeah. So, so that's why. That 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 is that is exactly why. Even if that wasn't true, I I mean this is where we're going to get philosophical. But I I feel I have a problem with the arrogance that where we feel as though we can control 
this mm. kind of thing. I mean, no one take. I mentioned the word communism before, and no one takes that seriously. <laughs> well, okay, maybe if yeah. you're 19 and not un- serious, and at university, <laughs> you know, and you, you, your heart's in the right place, but you just completely you uh, young listeners, thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, no world experience or have ever read a history book. <laughs> And I say, I, I say this as being yeah. the greeny lefty no, university right. student in stinky clothes that, you know, needs a shave. Like that was exactly <laughs> me, right? Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a bad idea to try and, to try and plan yeah, right. an economy. And yet, and yet we plan the most central part of our economy, which is money. And so, yeah. you know, you and I have had this discussion several, it's a really great, have, great yeah. discussion. So I'm not going to rehash that, but I, I think, I think the, the intent is good. Um, I think the idea is reasonable, but in, in trying to, in trying to control money and plan mm. for money, we just make things worse. I think the evidence is pretty clear if you actually look at it and, and then, and then you can sort of say, well, we can move that control mechanism from one institution to another, but you're still having someone who's going to control, try and, and control it. And if that is going to be the case, and as the point, the excellent point that you've long made is, was like, well, that's all well and good, Andrew, but here's the world we live in, and, and that you know the RBA is not being disbanded anytime. So it's like, that's a very yeah, good point, yeah. right? So if that is going to be the world we live in, yeah. I would much rather it be a semi-independent organization um, that 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 is not. Uh, political in in nature, yeah, yeah. with its hand yep. on the rather than someone who's there for a four year term and is desperately <laughs> trying to get reelected. You know what happens? You you get Argentina, you get Lebanon, yeah. you get Turkey, you get all of these other places in the world which are all kinds of massive problems because of because of um, uh, politicians trying to sort of steer the economy in ways that might be good for them and their supporters, but just ends up ruining it for everyone. Yeah, um, I can't disagree with you much, mate. Um, I, I think I have a slightly different lens on RBA and other things, which is influence rather than control, and and I think that does have a different uh, kind of creates a different uh, set of actions potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the the folly of trying to pretend you can forecast interest rates out or inflation out by two years is stupid. Uh, to believe you can, you know, get a desired income outcome with A plus B equals C type response, I think is equally stupid. So I actually agree with you on control. Mm. I do think you can influence activity in the direction you want it to. A bit of the, you know, the nudge, the kind of, you know, the bump, the bumpers on the on the bowling alley type stuff. Sure. Um, you, you can kind of allow, try for doing some of those things. But we've talked about that before, as you said. I, on the on the tax thing, I think you're absolutely right, Richard. We've talked before about using superannuation contributions for that purpose as a slightly more politically palatable version, i.e. you get to keep the money, but just not yet, as opposed to I'm going to take the money off you or the bank's going to take the money off you when you pay your bills or when you pay interest, you know, that kind of idea. Um, so that's something that I think is worth thinking about. You could absolutely do it with taxes. I've, I've raised that before here and certainly on social media. Um, again, not expecting they will do it, but but you're absolutely right, mate. Here's the here's the hard part though, right? Um, I, having an independent RBA lets the government effectively make them the bad guy and avoid all action, which you kind of go that sucks. And then you think, well, actually, what if what if the RBA wasn't independent then? <laughs> and, the, and the treasurer said interest rates. Which treasurer, to your point about taxes, Ram? Mm. Which treasurer would say, actually, guess what, guys? I'm going to put your uh, interest rate up 4.25 percent in the space of 18 months because mm. that's what we need to do. At least if the RBA is right. Now they may not be, but let's assume they are for mm. now. As, as you say, mate, it's a world we're in. So let's let's assume that was necessary mm-hmm. and that's what the best minds in the uh, bureaucracy believed or the 
Econocracy? Mm-hmm. Econocrats? Econocracy? Mm-hmm. Let's go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, Cantillionaires is another one. That's a, that's a, <laughs> yeah. There's got a different meaning altogether, but go on, go on. Correct, correct. Um, yeah, you know, if it was necessary, Treasurer Chalmers and or Treasurer Frydenberg before him would have said, okay, up, 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 up. And again, think about the political implications of that. It's bad enough already. People hate the government already for not doing enough on cost of living. And if they've been actually the people who pushed that button 13 times or 14 times, whatever it is, um, imagine how even less popular they'd be. And therefore, not that I'm worried about their popularity, but how much less likely they would have been to actually have done it. Maybe be at three and a half or three and a quarter right now because they just couldn't bring themselves to be more unpopular and therefore did whatever, you know, and again, assuming the RBA is right, that's a big assumption, but let's go with it you know squibbing the last one percent or so of interest rate increases because it was politically unpopular that would be a horrible outcome for the for the economy if again the rba is right then by definition less than what they've done would be would be bad yeah and so you kind of think that through and you know i would love the politicians to use superannuation contributions in fact i give the rba the right given the choice i say the rba you guys get to now you know decide on superannuation contributions to do exactly what i'm saying because it, it puts the adults in the room in charge and as much as we have someone doing this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've talked about the price of money before, Ram. I don't know mm-hmm. what your view is on using tax for the same thing because mm-hmm. at some point it's either let the economy do its thing or automatic stabilizers work and we'll have that conversation another day. But yeah. I think, you know, I would, I, I would give the RBA the capacity to flex superannuation contributions plus or minus X percent, whatever that is, re- around a, a given number. So, we, you know, we don't want to go to zero. We don't go to 40%. But if we're saying, hey, we want the average person to put away 12% of their income in super, if that was up to 15% in really, really boom times and down to 9% or 10% in, in, you know, in tough times to put a bit more money back in the economy, as long as it kind of averaged about that 12, I think we could absolutely justify something like that. And maybe the RBA is the only one who could actually get away with it. Yeah. Um, I'm hesitant here because I want to say something really badly, but I know <laughs> I'm going to anger a lot. No, I'm not going to. No, that, no, let's. Oh, gosh, that's too deep. Don't bag the boomers. No. Boomers. Well, don't have a go at the university students. We had a we had some friends around for dinner the other night, and <laughs> and I classed them, and I'm pretty sure they don't listen to the pod. God, I hope they don't listen to the pod. <laughs> oh, um, don't do this. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I feel as though oh, that they were representative of a lot of a lot of conversations I've sort of had, which is yeah, right. bloody RBA and this and that. And I've had to, my <laughs> bills have gone up and this. And I, yeah, I get yeah. the pain. Like I'm a renter, man. I get the pain because poo rolls downhill yeah. and it stops it stops at the renting class, right? I ultimately got to fund yeah. all of this stuff. But uh, so so I I get it and I get that it sucks. However, I I feel as though some of us lack any sense of accountability. I, I have yeah. sympathy, some sympathy for, for people in this situation. Others, I kind of just want to grab by the collar and go, what were you thinking? <laughs> what were you bloody <laughs> thinking? Yeah, you yeah, you yeah. leave it up to the eyeballs and then you turn around and go and say, oh, but he, he said he wasn't going to put interest rates up for three years. Mm. Like, Well, even if he didn't, right? Like- the, yeah. the amount, the mountain of debt that you are under. Did you really think that you were going to meet that massive interest burden and pay off enough principal in three years, such that when interest rates were going to go up at that point, that you were going to be in such a better position? Like, I mean, yeah, it would have been relatively better than it is today. But let's not pretend that 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 this strategy was anything other than extraordinarily reckless. You went into the mm-hmm. casino and you said, "I'm putting it all on black." 
And then it's spun up on red and it's everyone's fault except for yours. Now, this is, okay. I'll just take a deep breath and step back a little bit here. I know that sounds harsh, but it's sort mm. of like you, you must in investing. I don't care whether it's property and it's property in this case, because that's what everyone's lent against or shares or whatever it happens <laughs> to be. But you, 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 yeah. you, you must, must account for the downside that i.e. maybe this thing won't double every seven years. Maybe I'll lose my job. Maybe I won't find a tenant. Maybe I won't be able to put the rent up. Maybe you know, a sink or a door will need replacing. Or just This is what you do as a sensible, intelligent, rational person that goes into this is that obviously you want to better your situation. Obviously, it's a smart thing to do, to, to, to think long-term and make prudent investments. But if you're, if you're going to... If you're going to structure yourself in such a precarious and fragile manner and then things slightly go against you and then to, yeah. to blame everyone else but yourself. I'm not saying that the listener is doing this, but I'm not pointing them out in particular, but but a lot of people and my friends included in this case, I just feel as like, cry me a river. Cry, this is investing, right? Like no no one gives – if I – again, just to just – to, uh, uh, give a, a, I think a perfectly equivalent example. Could you imagine if on this pod I said to you, oh mate, start of 2022, I took on a $50,000 personal loan, I put it all in Bitcoin and then it went down. It's really unfair. I, you know, someone should do something about that. And like, mm. no, you idiot. What were you thinking? <laughs> well, that, that's, you know, had it gone well, you know, you would have taken full credit for that, right? And because it hasn't gone well, you, you won't take the blame for that. You'll, you'll, you'll point to everyone else. And I think too many Australians are in this situation. I think t- politicians will absolutely pander to it because it is such a such a significant part of the voting blog. Because they can. Be, yeah. be, because they can. And I, I just, all I will say is, I look, I'll come back full circle. I agree. Fiscal policy, uh, taxation policy should play a much, much, much greater role if, if we had some very serious long-term adults um, you know, in the room, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I, I absolutely agree with all of that, uh, but we don't. Um, and and we, we, have, we have a very unfair system in, in the sense that it is all the debt holders that are sort of responsible for, for you know, fighting in, or bearing the bun as, as we fight inflation. But you can have the world as it is or how you would have it to be. And if you have it the way as it is, what that means is don't structure yourself in such a way that, that you are going to be right on the edge or worse if, if, if a certain set of assumptions don't come to fruition. That is, that is just purely reckless. And, I'm, and I'm, I hopefully I'm being a bit mean here, but I, but I'm, I want to shake a few people out of some misapprehension, some, you know, um, faulty thinking Apathy. here am i am i wrong am i wrong or am i am i too harsh um i know i well well let me say this let me let me say this I, I so, a little bit so, let me, so, I'll, I'll say this to 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 save save a little bit of face mm. i i actually don't blame individuals too much i i blame right, that's, the, the, yes, the, okay. the money sucking middlemen yep. a-holes like i.e agents mortgage brokers bankers you know they the people who yep. participate who, who propagate this because they benefit from it i mean how many times do we have to watch the big short to get the lesson here mm-hmm. and it's sort of like the the average mum and dad who just go to see their financial planner slash accountant or go to the bank. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to better their situation and they're doing something that everyone is doing is massive social proof. They feel as though they're being prudent and people, 
in expensive suits who had the best education, who worked for a very illustrious organizations are telling you do this and then you do it. I, I feel as though a lot of the blame is held there. So stop asking the barber if you need a haircut mm. and, and think think for yourself. And and remember, these people are not your friends. These people are there to to profit mm-hmm. from you. And I don't think that's too conspiratorial to say. I think I think that's just factual. Sorry, Matt, I cut you off. But I just I just wanted to add that. Nope. So yeah. Nope, that, that, that's, that, that was the only point I would make. Matt, I think other than that, you're absolutely spot on. Um, I struggle to blame people. You, you and I are, you know, there, there are medicos who have medical podcasts who say, why would the patients do this or do that? And the answer is because they don't know any better and they just trusted the people they spoke to. And I right. think in a society like ours, they shouldn't be expected to have done so much research, to have, have learned about behavioral psychology and the long-term path of interest rates and to, to kind of go, you know what, I want a house and the house costs this much, the bank said I could borrow that much and that seems reasonable and so I did it. I don't believe for a second, by the way, 95% of people who say I borrowed the money because the RBA governor promised me rates wouldn't go up for two years. Um, I think I think that is an excuse in the event. I think it's a yeah. self-preservation mechanism for yes. almost everybody. Yep. Um, they've convinced themselves, I think they believe it, by the way, I just, don't, I just don't believe it's true. Oh, and the, the media's uh, so fanned that just, view as well. Like they, they, they have yeah, really yeah. leaned into that narrative. And it's just, yeah, it's, exactly. it's like, I've got no love for central bankers, as you know, but it's just, it's really <laughs> unfair, I think, to yeah. lay the blame at yeah. Phil Lowe for that. And, and worse, mate, not that unfair, but it also it leads to bad outcomes because people then think it's okay to blame Phil Lowe. And again, whether you, no one's crying for Phil. He's got a fortune. He's, he's fine. He doesn't care. Yeah. Um, but but the point is, it, 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 it makes faith in this. It reduces faith in the system. It makes people believe there was some there was some other alternative that could have been foreshadowed or followed. Uh, it, it just make it makes a mess of the whole thing. It means we're not having proper conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, mate. Um, I reckon we're pretty done. Will you come back on Sunday for me? <laughs> I feel as though I finished finished in a fiery mood. Um, so you did. I, I oh, punchy yeah. pages back. I like it. I like it a lot. I do. So did the, well, there was usually three people listening. You've offended one of them, so there's only two, but that's okay. Uh, we appreciate those two people for hanging around long enough. <laughs> Tough Until love. We Tough meet love. Next. Until <laughs> we meet next Sunday. Full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under Financial Services Licence 400691.